Hello. Hello! Welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Lily Cox. And I'm Nikki Pope. And this week we're talking about how you can transform yourself from a good hairdresser to a good manager. Or even a great manager in this case. Welcome to our two guests, Clive and Paul, two of the three directors of the Hob Salons Group. Nice to see you. Good afternoon, girls. Good afternoon, and it's great to be here. <laughs> so... I will start. We'll talk about it about the business, I think, but just mm-hmm. to give people a little bit of a head start. So, Clive, you are particularly focused on the customer care and service of the salon group and spend a lot of time literally on the front line with your management team. Yeah, so what tends to happen in, in my role is uh, I tend to coach a lot of the managers, assistant managers, front of houses. Um, we've got 25 salons currently. Um, 15 company owned and 10 franchise salons. Um, One of my other responsibilities is that I do all the recruitment for all the salons. Right. Um, And that consumes obviously a lot of time, certainly a lot of my time. Um, And of course, when recruitment actually happens, I trade test as well as interview um, at the same time. So that, that consumes quite a lot of my time. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll come back to all those points, I think. And Paul? I tend to work with the managers and the franchisees. I'm in salons most days, unless we're in meetings uh, between myself and Clive and, and Uckham. Um, so I work with the managers, the franchisees. We look at their day-to-day running of the salon, the, 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 their own businesses, um, what's working, what's not working, how can we make things better. Um, getting rid of things that don't work and progressing yeah. stuff that does work. And of course, we you made reference there to your other partner, Akin Kanitsi, yeah. who is the famous one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so if, if the three of us work as a triangle, right. I think it's very important to say. Yeah. And that triangle works at the fact that I'm sort of a service element, like you said. Mm. Paul is sort of behind the scenes and also works closely with the managers. And Ucken is the creative. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he drives the content yeah. of your training. So we have, we, we call it, that. so we have creativity, we have consistency, and we have service. So Ucken is the creative, right. I'm the consistent, mm-hmm. and Clive is the service. Oh, and what we try and do is run that ethos through the whole company. And what we like to do is try and make sure that every salon has a bit of each. Right, nice. and it's also important to say that all three of you are hairdressers. Yeah, we were all we were all apprentices. We all did our apprenticeship like any other hairdresser may have done. Together, so, we did you know each other as apprentices? Well, myself and Clive, um, our parents met each other on honeymoon, so oh, wow. we were sort of yeah babies together. So our parents were very close. Um, um, were they on honey- each of them were on honeymoon? They were both on their honeymoon and they met on their honeymoon. Yeah. So that's how far back... Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Myself and Paul actually yeah. going. Oh, wow. And uh, we, were, we were friends sort of growing up and then mm. we grew apart for a time. And then it was pure coincidence that his parents were round at my parents and said, what's Paul up to? Yeah. And uh, they said that he was in hairdressing and I think they said, well, so's Clive. And it, it, it was just purely coincidental. to each other that we're both going into hairdressing, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So when did um, Akin get in the picture? 
Ucken came on board about a year and a half, two years. About two years after we opened our first salon, yeah. which right. was in 1983 right. in Mill Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd heard about this guy, Ucken. Um, <coughs> one of our staff had, had joined us and said, you know, you've got to get this guy on board. He's amazing. You know, he's been working in a salon in Covent Garden. Whether or not he'll come out to Mill Hill, right. we're not sure because obviously he's used to working in town. Yeah, sure. But me being me, I called him up and uh, said, I understand that you're, you're not working at the moment and potentially you could be looking for a job yeah. and the rest is history. How, how did that dynamic work between the three of you? So you two by then were obviously clearly very good friends. You've got mm. the history, the sort of synergy of growing up in the same area, probably mm. absorbed all the, the same things in the atmosphere. Yeah. So Akin coming into that three, did yeah. you have to work at the three-way relationship or did it just gel? I think what happened was, Uckham was, he added an element to, he added the creative element to, to we, what we sort of needed. We were very sort of bread and butter, sort of hairdressing. Uh, he added the creative element. Um, we wanted to grow the business. Um, and we sort of kept saying, we'll open more salons, we'll open more salons. Uh, what happened was, cut a long story short, Uckham actually left. Um, and decided to go and open his own salon in Highbury. Right. Um, we were devastated that he'd gone. We used yeah. to go and visit him on our days off, trying to get him back oh, the whole time. Oh. Um, and in the meantime, we then went and opened another salon. Once he was gone, mm-hmm. we opened Bushy. Yeah. So basically, Clive ran the Bushy salon, I ran the Mill Hill salon. And we were still going backwards and forwards to see Uckham. And then, cut a long story short again, we sort of said to him, look, come back, we'll open another salon, we'll all be partners together, and you'll be in one, he'll be in one, and I'll be in another. Yeah. And that's sort of... And that's the Hair on Broadway beginning? Yes. And because well, Hair the... on Broadway was, was Mill Hill. Oh, okay. Because it was in Mill Hill Broadway. That was right. actually Clive's wife's idea. Because yeah. she, when we were looking to open our own salon, she said, well, if you open it in Mill Hill Broadway, there's only one thing you've got to call it. And we said, what's that? She said, hair on Broadway. Yeah. And we said, what a great idea. But what we didn't realise was that we weren't always going to be on a Broadway. We might be in a high street. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit limited, but you got yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took us a, a, a certain distance, and, and then we obviously, over the years, we had to change the name. Okay, cool. So this is still, what, late 80s? So, so back together. we started in 83. Yeah. Right. We opened our second salon around 85, 86, no, about 86, 87. Yes. Aachen had then gone. Right. I think around about 86. Mm, ish. Yeah. Um, we then got him back around about 88, 89. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened the third salon 90, 1990, 90, yeah. in Whetstone, yeah. where he was based. So I was in Bushy, Paul was in Mill Hill, and Uckham was in Whetstone. Hmm. Right. And then we just started opening more and more salons. That was the thing. So have the three of you ever kind of done any formal management coaching or training? Or, you know, have you, have you worked at being a team of three, or has it just organically trial and error, you've just learned how to do it? I would say that the relationship between the three of us has been, I suppose, a bit like a marriage, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that you've got to work at every single day. I mean, I've been married 37 years next 
in June. Yeah. And uh, it's work in progress every day, I have to say. And it's taken me many, many, many years to realise that. And it's the same with the three of us. Yeah. You know, do we row? Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a normal relationship. But, you know, you've just got to work at it. We're also yeah. friends as well, which I think helps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Paul, wouldn't you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. We go to football together every week, going tonight, funnily enough. Um, but that cements you as well. Yeah. You know, it gives you an outlet. It can't always be work, 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 work. Yeah. You need an you need an outlet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that helps. Yeah. We haven't had we never actually had any formal business coaching. We did for a while go to a management therapist. Do you remember that girl that we went to in Golders Green for a little while? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds um, interesting. Yeah. Therapist. Yeah. Yeah. She was she was very interesting, um, and she helped us with the dynamic as well um, stuff that we didn't know yeah Upton's got this saying you know what you know you know what you don't know but you don't know what you don't know yeah yeah and she helped us with, with the that. sort of Interesting. Yeah, yeah yeah we went there for quite a while but apart from that no we've had obviously you know people like Alan Austin Smith have, have helped us through the years yeah um, but so, otherwise no formal so how do you, so I'm just really interested in the mechanics of it. So how, so three is, is it important, is it important to you that it's three, not two? Is it? Well, you know, they say that two's company, three's a crowd. Yeah. But for us, you know, being together for the best part of 30 odd years hmm. has worked. Yeah. Um, with regards to about management in itself, we don't believe that you can teach somebody to be a leader. Right. You've either got leadership skills, qualities, naturally, yeah. or not. Yeah. We don't believe, when we're interviewing for managers, assistant managers, you've got to be able to lead by example, yeah. and you've got to have those leadership skills, otherwise you haven't got a hope in hell. And yeah. if you've got them, you can hone them, and yeah. you can tweak them. And, and, and but in the three them. of you, I'm just going to stay with the three of you for a minute and then come on to the broader how you manage your teams but the three of you together if you've got three man three leaders together is that mm -hmm. not a recipe for a row or do you do you is it like the majority wins is it like because no, well that's that's interesting nikki because i often um say that i'll go with the flow rather than a potential row occurring um but look, we haven't got it right over the years all the time, mm. and no one gets it right. No. And we believe that by making mistakes, you learn. Mm. Um, so the important thing is, it's about three things. It's about respect, mm -hmm. compromise, yeah. and communication. Yeah. And I actually say that to my children, and I say that to my wife. And if you can't communicate or compromise, then it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's not going to go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, so pra on a practical basis, do you go with a like, you know, two votes out of three is enough to carry something, or do you always say it's all three of us? No, pretty much. If we if we're talking about something and I'm I'm sort of dig my heels in, or Clive might dig his heels in, often we might say, well, let's see what I can think, mm. or vice versa. Yeah, they so might come to me, or we might go to Clive. Yeah, um, generally we discuss a lot. We have a lot of regular meetings. Um, 
with other people. So Clive's daughter is also in the business. She's a, um, a regional manager. Right. Um, really, I suppose she does. She 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 takes the guise of a, a general manager role, and she brings a, a a much younger vibe to the business, which is great. And um, and what we try and do, you know, anything she, that she might suggest, it might be a yes, and if it's a no, or or it might be a maybe, and, and we work on stuff. Mm. It's very rare. We, we, we tend to agree and disagree on, on the, as we're getting older, we sort of tend to agree and disagree on the same things more mm. than, than not. Yeah. It strikes me that you've got quite a balance between the three of you, I suppose, because you have your own zones of responsibility, so that mm. when you come together, talking about leadership, that it's not so much of a, like not a contest, but because no, there's you're, no power struggle. Yeah, because you've each got your own kind of realms of responsibility. That when mm. you come together, it kind of works quite well as like a triumvirate, if you like, the power mm. of three. Mm-hmm. So famous number yeah, for yeah, a look, reason, I suppose. <laughs> we say that we wouldn't want to be doing this on our own. No, be- you know, we want support from one another. You know, if, if we've got to make a big decision, it's nice to be able to pick up the phone mm. to either yeah. partner and discuss. And then make a joint decision. Mm. As a you know, doing it on your own can be a very lonely world. Oh, mm. I'm with you on that. I I find it much better to be with somebody mm. else. I think it's kind of like you know, despite... even just to talk through the decisions. There's isn't often it? there's often times that I, I you know we'll be talking about something and I'll say something. I'll ask Clive what he thinks, or you know, we'll often in emails. You know, the, the, often emails will end with thoughts, please. Yeah. As opposed to, to I share. think we should be doing this. And, yeah. you sh- and you share the joy as well, you know. I mean, it's like having kids. Nobody loves your kids as much as you do, mm. as a parent does. Mm. Same mm. with your own business, in a way. Mm. You know, however close somebody else is to it, they're not actually in it. So I think for better and worse, it's... Per- but, you know, some people can't, you know, prefer to be on their own, don't they? Mm. I think it's hard to let go. I'm sure if you built anything up, any business up, and it's hard to let other people come in. But I... I do think that that's probably where a lot of the, your strengths come in. If you're, you allow someone else to bring their expertise in to take perhaps some of that weight off. Most of my rows at home have been overworked because my wife has often said to me that I put the business before her and the children. Oh. On what you've just said, yeah. to be fair. But, you know, at the end of the day, we started out, you know, when I was 22 years old. Yeah. And... and that was when we had our first, well, 23 actually, got married at 22, opened our first shop salon when we were 23. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge, huge emotional attachment to the business. And yes, I, I treat that as my baby, mm. if you like. So what do we, we hear a lot in hairdressing, don't we, this whole idea that you can't be creative and succeed at business or it's really difficult. And a lot of the examples that people talk about you know, some of the, the biggest names over the last sort of couple of decades, there's been a clear sort of partnership between a business head and a creative head. Mm-hmm. But you three, you are hairdressers. Mm-hmm. Still what, do a column. Yeah. yeah. So do you think, what do you think about people saying that? Do you think that's, there's something in it? Or do you think, no, it's actually just about what kind of person you are? Or I think it depends how creative you are. And you can have ambition. Um, and if you haven't got a clue about the business side, but you are a great hairdresser and you can run a, you can show people how to run a great column and build a column, then that in itself is can build a business anyway. Yeah. And if you know, so but like Clive said, 
you know, I, we think leaders are born, they're not made. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't altogether agree. We often, you know, we often say great hairdresser doesn't necessarily make a great manager, and they no, don't. No. You have to have some sort of leadership skills yeah. within you that that you can show us, and we can then say, you know what, I think they'd make a great yeah. manager, as opposed to, you know, just being busy, busy, busy. Even if it's down to, you know, having great retail or having great things like great rebooks, or you know, yeah. they're they're sort of skills that are outside of just standing there doing a blow dry or, or, or a haircut. There are other stuff that you're thinking, I'm building a business here, so I need to rebook my clients. I need to make sure they've got the right products at home. And they're, 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 they're things yeah. that we'll look at and think that person knows how to build, not just do great haircuts. Yeah, Can you see that at, at lower levels? Do you see that sometimes with your apprentices coming in, that they've got the hunger there? Or is it something that you only see the leadership skills, you know, as they kind of develop with not, the experience not nowadays. and the confidence now, of, yeah, of nowadays the apprentices are very, very different to to, to what they were. A bit more um, sassy. Funny enough, we were talking about this sassy. That's one word. Um, you know, years ago, people left school uh, and they wanted to go out to work. People now leave school. Um, and actually they have to stay in education. But the problem, they, the, the, the reason that they leave school is because they don't want to be at school. Mm. And what they don't realise is they can only actually go into some sort of further education and apprenticeship being one of them. Um, so at that age, no, but it does, it does come through. I would say it's very rare to see someone that's very creative wanting to get into the business management side. Yeah of the industry because most hairdressers don't want to be bogged down with paperwork yeah yeah they shy away mm. from brown envelopes um and we all know what those Ball are filling and all that yeah. exactly yeah. They, that you know most creatives have come into the industry to shave people's heads and turn them pink yes i think yeah, I think so. And I think also, you know, a lot of people who are very creative and who've, who've chosen hairdressing, and this is a great reason to do it, are people who, who aren't particularly, you know, focused on the academic, the reading, the writing. You've obviously got people who have struggles with dyslexia and mm -hmm. so on. So I think hairdressing is a brilliant, you know, it is. way but, for but people nowadays, to go. But nowadays, you have to do things like maths and English yeah, whatever. as an apprentice. Yeah. Um, but like Clive said, you know, no hairdresser came into the business to have you know, 70% client retention and no. uh, have, you know, two, three hundred pound a week retail and no. they're not, they're not there for that. They're not there for that. So then looping back to something you said near the beginning, um, Clive, when you are re recruiting somebody in at a more senior level, like a manager or somebody saying to you, right, I want to have my own shop now, you know, what can you give me? What sort of things are you looking for there? So, yeah, look, the thing is that with us, you know, you can start with us as an assistant, an apprentice, yeah. and work your way up, work your way through to becoming a franchisee with us. Yeah. So you can start and finish your career with us. Yeah. What we obviously need to see initially, particularly when it comes to stylists, is that they're able to build a clientele. So whoever it is that we take on, from the get-go, we're saying to them, for the first six months, yeah. you need to show us that you can build a clientele. Yeah, yeah. That's before you pass go, and that's before you collect 200 pound. Yeah. 
<laughs> and, you know, a lot of hairdressers, they get that. Yeah. Because, you know, you've got a lot of hairdressers that I see, for example, they want to be British Hairdresser of the Year. And they think that they can do it within a year. Yeah. Now, if you take Ucken, for example, he didn't become British Hairdresser of the Year until about 2007. So he'd already been in the industry for the best part of 30 years. Mm. And hairdressers today think they can do it today, right now, yeah. right it's here. It's accelerated, isn't it? They yeah. just want everything so fast. It, it's that immediate gratification. Yeah, they you say know. you've got it and they want it. Yeah. yeah. So you two are here representing Hob with 25 salons mm -hmm. and all these years and obviously um, hundreds of staff in there. How... I'm sensing what you might reply to this, but how do you feel about this This whole shifting sands in the industry at the moment, isn't there, with the fragmentation? I think of it as fragmentation. Mm -hmm. People wanting to be freelancers, they want to be independents, mm -hmm. they don't want to be, not as many of them want to be part of groups. Yeah. Is that proving a challenge to keeping people mm. attracted? Because clearly, you've got to, in order to grow, you've got to keep on bringing people in at the bottom as well as developing. And I would imagine you've got a very good retention rate. So, yeah, I mean, recruitment is is massive challenge at the moment, I've got to say. There's definitely a shortage in the industry of apprentices coming in, so young 16-year-olds, yeah. due to the school leaving age of being yeah. 18 now. Yeah. Um, so that's very challenging across the board. Yeah. Um, when you talk about hairdressers working from home, etc., well, the challenges that we've been faced with over the last 24 months has definitely been home hairdressing, blow-dry bars, um, undercutting, um, cheaper blow dryers at £15 sort of across the road, down the road, um, and yeah, home hairdressing, it, yeah. you know. And then together with increase in rents, rates, yeah. minimum wage, living wage, nest pensions, oh, and Brexit, yeah. you know, that we're all sort of, most of us yeah, yeah. think of it now as a chocolate bar. Yeah. <laughs> But not as sweet. Exactly. <laughs> not a good one. No. Not as tasty. No. I'll put you both on the spot then. What would be your wish list? Three things that you wish would be different or what, what three things off the top of your head might help? Definitely the, the way the apprenticeship program's going. Yeah. So that is very, very challenging. Mm. That's become very difficult with now the endpoint assessment that they have to do, which is a six-hour um, exam. So you think it's too challenging? Too, and way too stringent, way mm -hmm. too challenging. It, you know, for an 18-year-old, that you know, when it comes to the end, nearing the end, they tend to, you know, have sleepless nights, break out in sweats, mm -hmm. and are feeling like they're not going to pass. And we've seen some opt out, really? you know, with, with maybe only a couple of months left on their training right. program right and that's something that's shifted over the years it's got more recently yeah. that's shifted over the last sort of 18 months two years right. from the old level 2 MVQ yeah. to this now this new endpoint assessment it's great that the, 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 the uh, standards are, uh, are rising but but the way it's gone, implemented yeah it's probably gone yeah. a little bit too far too in, in one sort of fast swoop, swoop if yeah, you yeah. like okay so that could be something yeah um, what else? I suppose if something could be done about home hairdressing, because we sort of feel a little bit aggrieved that, you know, we take people on, we train them for years, we put a hell of a lot into them, cost us a hell of a lot of money, we pay them, we then put them on the floor once they've passed, 
We give them a fantastic salon to work in with, with great products. We give them all their clients because they came with nothing. Yeah. Um, and then they go. Yeah. And they take the clients with them. Yeah. So, yeah, if there was something that could be done about that, yeah. God knows what. Yeah. But, but that's definitely especially a from the cash element as well. You know, a lot of these hairdressers, these one-man band hairdressers, are being paid in cash. Mm. And therefore, they're, they're probably not, paying, not paying their tax. No. Yeah. You know, the VAT element, etc., etc. Mm. And probably the last thing, the third thing that would be advantageous is, of course, online shopping. Whereby, you know, whilst we're trying to um, have our retail at a certain percentage in our salons, you know, a lot of clients are turning around saying, well, I can buy it cheaper online. So if there was a recommended retail price that mirrored what we're selling our products for in the salon, that would be a massive help. Although we know that by law, um, you can't tell or govern what one sells a product for, but it would certainly help the online because because guidelines, boundaries, you know, Amazon, etc. has killed retail businesses as we've seen big names going out of business and we think that for shampoos conditioners and beauty products etc you know it would be a massive help if there was that you know sort of guide that they can't undercut obviously the sales yeah I wanted to talk to you about so staff retention Mm -hmm. and obviously you talked about there's problems with getting people into the industry and and maybe losing them to Mm -hmm. home hairdressing things but when you've got them, in, and I know that hobbies are very good for like giving someone like a career trajectory with lots of good education and things. Yeah. How do you prospect someone to be a franchisee? What are you looking for? You know, is that is that an opportunity that you offer? Your really good yeah. hairdressers, where you see the leadership potential in them. Yeah. How does how does that figure? We well, as Clive mentioned before, one of the first things we look at is can they build a great clientele. Because hopefully if they can build a great clientele, they can show their team how to build a great clientele. And at the end of the day, a salon without clients is not worth opening the doors. So first and foremost, they need to be able to build a clientele and show people how to build a clientele. Um, Then obviously they have to have the, um, that actually want to own their own business. and we can show them and, and, and help them with that. But we do a lot of all the, the, the backroom stuff, if you like. Right. So, so, you know, when you say that, you know, sometimes what you're seeing is you've got someone that's creative and they've got a partner who's, who's on the sort of the business yeah. side, or we're the partner yes. that's well, on yeah. the business Always side, if you end, like. Yeah. So yeah. you're the backroom. We're the, we're the yeah, we're yeah. the support, the support yeah. and the backroom and the paperwork and and the wages and the VAT and the, and the tax yeah. and the, all so the some rest of, the of core that. So we're that partner that they may not need. Yeah. Yeah. And presumably that's shifted over time as well. In the last 30 years, the way, you know, some of those services are offered and the digital technologies and the software that's around and, you know, from payroll onwards must have made mm. life a lot easier. Uh, yeah. Well, for the guys in, in the office, yeah, for sure. But there's nothing that can substitute picking the phone up and saying to someone, I need some help, can you get down here? Yeah. And no app or you know, piece of technology platform can, can do that for you. And remember, you know, our industry is a people business. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So the good news is, is you can't get a haircut online. Yeah. 
So we still have to take that, and thank God we can't, because mm. I think we, you know, we'd be affected even more. Yeah. So I think that from a franchisee's point of view, what we say is just go run your salon. Yeah. Don't worry about the brown envelope stuff, mm. the paperwork stuff. Let us yeah. look you, after that. You get mm. yourself busy. Yeah. We'll deal with the rest. Right. Yeah. So what's the what's the plan for HOB? Hob salons in the near future. The play, the, 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 <laughs> right now, not all of it, but just the, the bare bones. Right, right now <laughs> is to have, make sure we've got a very well-oiled machine. Yeah. yeah, and that you know each salon is firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that the teams are happy. Yeah, and to see the end of Brexit, and and you know there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. So with regards to us opening more salons, not really, yeah. not right now. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty. We need to make sure that our ship is sailing beautifully mm-hmm. um, because there's going to be some Titanics out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, we'd be on that. But the youngsters, the younger people, are the, they keep us going. And like Clive said, seeing them succeed and you know going from a, being an apprentice to a hairdresser and building a clientele and doing really great and buying their first property or their first car, or the, that gives us a buzz. Yeah. Exactly that, yeah. Great, so we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much. I think there's lots of food for thought. Thank you for sharing your insights. It's been an absolute pleasure and a joy. Mm. Yeah, I have to say I enjoyed it. Good, good. Really good. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Clive Collins and Paul Simler, who are here representing their company, Hob Salons, and obviously a nod to Akin Knutsi, who isn't with us. Yeah, absent friends. Absent (laughs) friends, equally important. Yeah. So thank you. I'm Lily Cox and together with Nikki Pope we have prepared some show notes for you on this week's topic. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And if you'd like to join in the conversation you can email us at info at ihaa.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, goodbye. 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 Bye-bye.